Amen. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open to uh, Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. The title for today's message is To Judge or Not to Judge. To Judge or Not to Judge. Matthew chapter 7. In our message this morning, we are continuing in our series where we're looking at often misquoted passages of scripture. In Matthew chapter 7, we find Jesus closing his debut sermon at the beginning of his public ministry, the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount can be found in Matthew chapter 5 through Matthew chapter 7. And in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus covers a multitude of topics which mostly aim at the heart of those who were listening to him. One could adequately, I believe, sum up the entirety of the Sermon on the Mount with this one sentence. How to live a life that is dedicated to and pleasing to God, free from hypocrisy, full of love and grace, and full of wisdom and discernment. In chapters 5 and 6 of Matthew, Jesus is really speaking to the personal lives and beliefs and actions of the crowd that he is preaching to. He's, he's talking to their, to their heart. But then when you get to chapter 7, Jesus kind of switches gears and he goes from telling them how they should act as followers of Christ and, and think to now teaching them how they are to then treat others. Matthew chapter 7 verse 1 is perhaps the most well-known verse in scripture by those who are non-believers, by those who don't believe in or follow Christ. In verse 1, you find those words that are often hurled as a defense against our Christian witness and belief. Judge not. Don't you know that Jesus said, you can't judge me? You can't judge the things I do, the way that I act. You can't judge my lifestyle. That, that's what your own leader told you. As you talk and live with and work with and have friendships with non-believers, no doubt as you begin to talk about Christianity and church and Christ, sooner or later you eventually hear the phrase, Christians are too judgmental. A study done in 2007 by the Barna Group, which is an evangelical polling they, they, they take polls of the evangelical world, and they did a study in 2007 that found that 87% of 16 to 29-year-olds viewed Christians as judgmental. One could only assume that now, 15 years later, that number is most likely even higher. You know, it's a sad reality in America that while Jesus instructed us that we should be known by our love, that rather we are known by our hypocrisy and judgmental attitudes. So this morning, I want to unpack this passage of Scripture and 
See what Jesus actually meant when he said, judge not. You know, my prayer is that as we come to God's word and as we look at this, that we would leave this morning with a biblical understanding of how and if we are to judge others. Look at Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 1. The Bible says, Judge not that ye be not judged. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And beholdest thou the mote in your brother's eyes, but consider not the beam that is in your own eye? Or how will thou say to your brother, let me pull out the mote out of your eye, and behold, a beam is in your own eye, you hypocrite. First, cast out the beam from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to cast out the mote the moat from your brother's eye. Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you. But again, I just thank you for everybody that is here this morning. Lord, I pray, Lord, that as I proclaim, thus saith the Lord, that you would help me to be faithful to the text, that you would hide me behind the cross, that you would give me clarity um, of speech, that you would empty me of self, Lord. I pray that you would convict and open our hearts and minds and challenge us, Lord. Lord, I pray that ultimately people would be pointed to Christ. Lord, we love you and thank you for all you do. In Christ's name, amen. In the first five and a half verses of Matthew chapter 7, we find that there are two warnings that Jesus gives about judging others. The first warning that we see comes in verse 1 and 2. Judge not that you be not judged, for with whatever judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with whatever measure you use, it will be measured back to you. During Jesus' public ministry, Jesus was constantly rebuking the beliefs and the practices of the Pharisees. The Pharisees were the legalistic, self-righteous, religious elites of the Jewish culture. The Pharisees were those that believed that they could earn favor with God, that they could attain righteousness by the deeds that they did. The Pharisees believed that they were better than everybody else because they held to and they followed strictly the religious laws of the Old Testament. And as a result, the Pharisees were known for being prideful and puffed up. And so in their pride, the Pharisees would walk around and they would look down their noses on those who didn't uphold the same religious extremism that they did. The problem was that the Pharisees were seen as the ultimate example of a true Jew. They were the religious leaders of the day. So during Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, Jesus on multiple occasions taught contrary to the teachings that the Pharisees would have been imposing on the Jews. And as we look at his teaching on judgment, it was no different. See, the Pharisees in their self-righteous pride would condemn everyone who did not live up to their artificial standards of holiness that they had established. So Jesus, as he speaks to this crowd, is teaching them that unlike the Pharisees, those who follow me, 
those who follow Christ should not be known for being judgmental. Jesus begins in verse 1 with an imperative. An imperative is an authoritative command. He says, judge not. Or in other words, as he's speaking to this group that is following the Pharisees, stop judging. The Greek word that we find translated judge in this passage of Scripture is where we get our English words critic and criticize. It's the Greek word krino. It means to form a critical opinion of something by examination or scrutiny. This is important to know because as Jesus would have been speaking to this crowd, they would have known that he was not broad-brushing, judging others in general, but Jesus was specifically talking about a type of judgment that looks upon others critically. In verse 2, Jesus proclaims that with whatever judgment you judge. These are two different words in the Greek. The judgment is krima, judge is krino, you will be judged. So while the Greek word for judge is that of a critical spirit, the Greek word for the judgment that is cast means to pronounce condemnation. So what we see then in, in verse 1 and 2, this is, this is kind of the, 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 the clear picture of what we see. Jesus is teaching against pronouncing condemnation on others with a critical spirit. Understand that the Pharisees judge others' relationship with Christ based on the way that they lived their lives. They judge the outside. They judge the book by cover, as we would say today. They believe that they were the only ones that had a right relationship with God, that because they upheld all these laws, they were the only ones who were truly close to God. So as they looked at the lives of others around them, their first thought was not that, This is a person in need of the love and rescuing of God. But rather, as they looked at those that were around them, they were thinking in their hearts, that is a wicked person who has no chance of ever knowing the Lord. So when it comes to the Christian's judgment of others, Jesus gives a command to the spirit and attitude by which we are to judge with. But not only does Jesus command us to not judge unfairly, he then gives a warning about what happens when you judge critically and in a condemning manner. Jesus says, however you judge others, you in turn will be judged the same way by God. When you look at others critically and condemn them as if you're better and as if as if you don't need God's grace as much as they do you're inviting God to do the exact same thing in your own life judge not critically that you be not judged critically judge not condemningly that you be not judged condemningly judge not unfairly that you be not judged unfairly whatever measure you use to judge others will be the same measure that God will in turn use to judge you. 
rather than the act of judging as a whole, what Jesus is speaking to is a judgmental attitude. Listen, we all know the judgmental person. The person who is quick to point out the faults in everyone else. The person who is full of pride and self-righteousness. The person who is quick to always make assumptions. You know, one reason, very good reason, why Jesus tells us to not judge others critically is because we aren't God. Listen, we can't see the entire picture of someone's life. We make judgments, judging the flesh, judging the outside, but only the Lord is able to look on the heart and see what is in the heart and then make a true and righteous judgment. Listen, often we make our self-righteous opinions and these self-righteous presuppositions about other people without knowing the full story without knowing what that person has been through, not without knowing why that person is in that situation, why they act that way, why they believe that. When you see the pregnant teenager, when you see the struggling drug addict, when you see the single mother, you see the homeless person, when you have that family member that maybe struggles with same-sex attraction, what Jesus is teaching us is that rather than critically condemning them as if God wants nothing to do with them, rather love them. Give them the grace and the mercy that you would want others and you would want God to extend to you. Because with what measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And I know that even as I say that, there's probably some people in here that are looking at me and like, you know, you sissy. You know, you, you compromiser, right? Because we've, we've established this, this kind of Jesus that, that, that that's what Jesus is about. He's about condemning others. But Jesus says, I didn't come to condemn the world, but I came to save. Listen, Jesus came and he walked among sinners. He loved on sinners. He pointed them to a truer and better way. I'm not by any means saying that we belittle sin, We call a spade a spade. We call sin, sin. But listen, we do so in such a manner that our motives are pure and showered with grace. We do so in order to point others towards Christ, not critically and condemning. You know, honestly, the most unloving thing that we can do is to not speak truth in the people's lives. But while we are called to speak truth, we know that we are to speak truth and love. Judge others in the same way that you want to be judged. In verses 1 and 2, we see this warning against an unfair, critical judgment on others. But then in verses 3 through 5, Jesus gives a rebuke against hypocritical judgment. Jesus gives us a rather absurd but vivid illustration of what we often look like when we are quick to judge others. Look at verse 3 with me. In verse 3, Jesus says, why beholdest thou, or why are you so focused on and looking at the moat? So a moat is a speck. 
So why are you so concerned about the speck in your brother's eye, but you're not even thinking about the beam or the log that is in your own eye? How will you say to your brother, let me pull out the mote out of your eye or the speck out of your eye, and behold, a beam is in your own eye? You hypocrites, first cast out the beam from your own eye. Maybe you've heard it said this way. People who live in glass houses should not throw stones. A mode is speaking of a particle of sawdust. It's a tiny speck, a little insignificant piece of debris. While the beam speaks of a structural support used in construction. It's a large log. Jesus tells us that in criticizing your brother, you're so worried about the piece of sawdust that is in his eye while you walk around with a beam sticking out of your own eye. Some of us are so quick to play judge, jury, and executioner in the life of everyone else when we have sins in our own life that we first and foremost need to be dealing with. Sinclair Ferguson said that so deeply has his sin conquered him that he has become blind to it. Sensitive to sin in others, he has has been desensitized to the sin in his own heart. Remind you, there's a song by the Williams Brothers. The Williams Brothers was a gospel group from before my time, but my my grandparents would listen to them, and they have one song where they say, sweep around your own front porch before you try to sweep around mine. Listen, we got to clean our own house before we worry about cleaning other people's messes. Before we burn in our hearts with unrighteous anger towards others, we would do ourselves a huge spiritual favor by ruthlessly inspecting our own hearts and lives first. And listen, we may be surprised just to discover that there is a beam in our own eye. What Jesus is saying here is be slow to judge others for being same-sex attracted when you sleep with a different person every weekend and live a promiscuous life. Jesus is saying, stop listening to sermons, thinking about how it applies to everyone else, but never saying, maybe God is speaking to me. Listen, we've all been there. I've done it. I remember sitting in the pew as a kid, and the preacher would say something, and, you know, you nudge your brother, you nudge your sister. You know, you're listening to what they need to hear, but not letting the Lord work in our own hearts. Jesus says, rather than playing the hypocrite and being the blind leading the blind, first remove the plank from your own eye. Paul teaches us about judging ourselves in 1 Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians, the apostle Paul says that if we judge ourselves we will not be judged you know the very simple matter of the fact is that we ought to spend more time judging ourselves than we spend judging others we judge ourselves by 
running to God when we know that we've messed up and we've sinned against him. We judge ourselves by saying, Lord, search me, seek me, find if there's any wicked and sinful thing in me and show it to me, Lord, so I can repent of it. We judge ourselves by daily going to the Lord for his mercy, daily repenting of our transgressions against God. In verses 1 through the beginning of verse 5, this is essentially what, the, what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying in these verses, do not judge and criticize and condemn others unfairly with an attitude of self-righteous superiority so that you will not be judged unfairly. For just as you hypocritically judge others, when you are sinful and unrepentant, so will you be judged. And in accordance with your standard of measure used to pass out judgment, judgment will then be measured to you. Why do you look at the insignificant speck that is in your brother's eye, but not notice and acknowledge the egregious log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me get the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite, you play actor, you pretender of righteousness. First, get the log out of your own eye. In verses 1 through 4, Jesus clearly gives us a strong warning against judging others in a manner that is hypocritical and condemning. However, contrary to what the unbeliever would want you to believe, Jesus does not teach us to not judge at all. See, the thing is, Jesus first gives us this foundation from which we are to judge from humility and grace. And then when you've come to this state of humility and grace and getting your own log out of your eye, then Jesus gives us the rules for judging others. In verse 5 and 6, I want us to see quickly two different ways by which the Christian is to judge others. Look at the back end of verse 5. Jesus says to take the beam out of your own eye and then thou shalt see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. Jesus doesn't say judge yourself and leave your brother alone. Jesus says first judge yourself and then when you have thoroughly removed the plank from your eye, go help your brother. First remove the plank, then remove the speck. When you do the work of repentance and humble yourself before the Lord, then you will be able to see clearly. As long as pride dwells within us, our vision and our perception of others will always be clouded. And it's only when we judge ourselves first that we can then judge from a posture of humility and seeing clearly. Listen, I now judge out of love and grace, longing that others would know Christ, not out of hatred and hypocrisy. When I live in verse 5, verse 1 and 2 are no longer a warning 
but rather a comfort. You see, because when I extend mercy, then mercy will be extended to me. When I extend grace, when I extend love, I can expect that when the Lord judges me, I'm comforted in knowing that that exact same measure will then be brought back in my life. You see, the speck in my brother's eye still needs to be dealt with. But the motivation and the delivery of my dealings become different. One reason that Christians are to rightly judge is to point others towards Christ. Listen, we condemn sin, not the sinner. Sin needs to be addressed. But it should be done in a spirit and an attitude of the overflow of what Christ has done in my own life. It should be done saying, listen, I was once down and out, but God picked me up from the bottom. God gave me grace. He gave me love. And he can do the same thing in your life. Listen, it's our sin that separates us from God. So for the unbeliever, if we don't show and teach them how serious our sin truly is, then they'll never go to the Lord for forgiveness and for salvation. But we don't only address the sins of the unbeliever, we address the sins of one another that are in Christ also. In Matthew 18, Jesus shows us how to deal with a brother that is in sin. Jesus says, deal with the sin. He says, call out the sin, but do it for restoration with a spirit of love and grace. As Christians, we are called to edify one another. That, that word edify means to, to, to help and to strengthen each other in our walk with Christ. We should be lifting each other up. We should be pointing each other towards Christ's likeness. We should be helping each other to stay on the right path. And judgment is a part of edification. Listen, there are times when you will have to have conversations with your brother and sister in Christ. Say, listen, that's not what God would want for you to do. That's not the lifestyle that God died for. You know, but at the same time, we need to be able to respond with grace when others point out the speck in our eye. Listen, we judge for the sake of repentance, not condemnation. We don't pretend as if somebody is so far out of the bounds of God's grace that they are unreachable. Listen, if anybody would be unreachable, it would be each and every one of us. Listen, but God extends that mercy. He extends that love to each and every one of us. So we, we point out the sin. We point out the, 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 the lifestyles that go against God's word in order that people would then come to know him. And then in verse 6, we see the second way Christians are to judge. That is for the sake of discernment. Look at verse 6. Paul says, in, or Jesus, sorry, we were just in Philippians for 12 weeks, so I'm used to saying Paul. <laughs> Jesus in verse 6 says, give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet, and turn again and rend you. 
Jesus tells us not only will there be times when we need to judge others to point them to the gospel message, but there will be times when we have to express judgment to protect the gospel. In verse 6, Jesus tells us there are times when we must stop sharing the gospel with others. I know it doesn't sound right, and don't get mad at me. These are the words of Christ. If you have an issue, take it up with him, but look, we'll dive in and we'll see. I'm going to show you what he's saying. If you were with us, we went through Philippians, you may remember that Paul called the Judaizers dogs. See, dogs in biblical times are not the cuddly, sweet, man's best friend that we have today, but rather dogs were scavengers that ran around in packs. They were dangerous animals. And so Jesus says, don't give what is holy. Don't give the gospel message to dogs. Dogs are evil and wicked persons who despise the gospel of Christ and the truths of the Holy Scripture. Jesus says, what do such people do with God's precious truth? They rip it to shreds. But then he says, not only do they rip it to shreds, but he personalizes their response. He says, they will tear you to pieces, that they will turn again and rend you. Listen, there's some people that their goal is to destroy the message and sometimes the messenger as well. And Jesus warns us not to continue to force the gospel on those who are extremely hostile to its message, but rather move on and share the good news with those with receptive ears. He then says, don't cast your pearls before swine. Pigs were unclean animals according to Old Testament law. When you look at scripture, pigs were never spoken of in a positive light. Peter uses pigs and dogs as images for false teachers. In 2 Peter, he says, but it has happened to them according to the true proverb, a dog returns to his vomit and a sow having washed to her wallowing in the mud. If dogs attack the messenger, Pigs trample the message. Here the gospel is described as pearls, and pigs cannot recognize the value and the beauty of the pearls of biblical truth. They see it, they ascribe no value to it, and they trample it under their feet. They drag it through the mud. They not only reject the gospel message, but they seek to destroy the gospel message. Listen to the words of Jesus in Matthew 10. Jesus says, when you enter any town or village, find out who is worthy and stay there until you leave. Greet a household when you enter it, and if the household is worthy, let your peace be on it. But if it is unworthy, let your peace return to you. If anyone does not welcome you or listen to you, to your words, shake the dust off your feet and leave that house or town. Truly, I tell you, it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Listen, understand this. First, understand that there are times when we have to move on from some people because they trample and they attack the gospel message but that doesn't mean that we don't continue to live the gospel out practically in our lives to them. We continue to love them. We continue to pray for them. We continue to pray that God would soften their hearts. 
And then second, understand that Jesus tells us, don't judge in advance who will or won't receive the gospel. Only God knows the human heart. Listen, we are to offer the good news without discrimination. However, when it is rejected with adamance and force, we must move on. Others will listen. Others will receive. And it's our calling to go and find those who are receptive to the message of Christ. You know, I've heard it said that we ought to spend more time growing grass than pulling weeds. Spurgeon said, you are not to judge, but you are not to act without judgment. Saints are not to be simpletons. They are not to be judges, but also they are not to be fools. Jesus distinguishes between acts of judgment and an attitude of judgmentalism. God's people are certainly called by the Lord to call sin, sin. We're certainly called by God to discern good from evil, right from wrong, good fruit from bad fruit. What we're not called to do is judge other people's motives and look down on them with a self-righteous, judgmental spirit. As we look at this text, what I believe we leave with is this. In the Christian walk, there is no place for spiritual hypocrisy or pride. Christians can and must take a stand against sin. But even then, our dealings with others should be marked by grace, humility, and mercy. Listen, a judgmental attitude springs from a self-righteous demeanor. And can I remind you this morning that there is only one who is righteous, and that is Christ. And it's only because of his grace and his mercy that we ourselves have even made it this far. You know, sometimes I believe that we're so quick to judge others because we've forgotten what God has done for us. We've forgotten that we once were that same sinner in need of rescuing. We've forgotten that he reached down and picked us up, that he gave his love and his grace to us in the same manner and way that they need it. We forgot who we once were. You know, praise God that we aren't what we once were, but may we never forget that we're nowhere near what we ought to be. And it's only with God's grace and mercy that we can even strive to attain that. Listen, just like everyone else, we are in dire need of daily grace, of daily mercy. Showing mercy to others is an act of wisdom that flows from the recognition of the mercy God has shown us. And judging harshly is an act of foolishness that reveals that I truly do not understand God's grace. Sinclair Ferguson says it perfectly. The heart that has tasted the Lord's grace and forgiveness will always be restrained in its judgment of others. It has seen itself deserving judgment and condemnation before the Lord. And yet, instead of experiencing his burning anger, has tasted his infinite mercy. Every head bow and eyes closed.
Listen, if you are here this morning and you have not tasted of the mercy of the Lord, I urge you this morning to call upon the name of the Lord for salvation. There are people here that can talk with you and show you what the Bible says, how you can know you can 